Good morning, good afternoon, Richmond. What's going on? I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. It is Wednesday, October 25th, and I am once again live from Radio Row here in Charlotte, North Carolina for the 2023 ACC tip-off, and today we cover the men's basketball teams. Of course, we'll focus on UVA and Virginia Tech, but we've also got some really cool interviews lined up with athletes around the ACC and head coaches. Jim Laranaga, fresh off of his Final Four run with Miami, will hop on the show today. Tony Bennett with UVA, and of course, Mike Young with Virginia Tech. So, Always fun to be broadcasting live from Radio Row. I'm sure I'll be bringing on uh, reporters left and right that I run into down here and maybe some uh, extra players as well. Uh, Yesterday at the happy hour, ran into head coach Seth Greenberg, who was at Virginia Tech and is now an analyst on ESPN with the ACC Network. And uh, it was great to chat with him. He's got high expectations uh, for VCU. He kept talking about Ryan Odom and how much – he enjoys watching Ryan Odom's coach teams play, and so it should be a lot of fun this year with VCU. And you guys know I cover VCU every Thursday on Inside the Ramhorns and also new episodes of the Black and Gold Fan Report, always available every week on the Odyssey app. But you guys know how we like to start the show, by catching you up on anything you might have missed around the sports world. And the NBA is back with two games last night, and the Wizards will be in action tonight. That's the lead story on... The sports app. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, highlights. Whoa, 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 are you serious? Wi-Fi plus 3G, 64K. This one, this one. The sports app. So the first game was the Denver Nuggets, your NBA champions from last year, against the Los Angeles Lakers. And Nikola Jokic picks up right where he left off, just makes it look easy. A couple baskets in the paint to start the game. He's almost unguardable. And then this big three in the fourth quarter, assisted by Christian Braun. Here's the call on ESPN. Gordon keeps it with a left-hand protected dribble. Goes to the right, behind the back, to the left, into the lane. Pass down low, Christian Braun, but too many in front of him. Outside, it goes to Jokic for three. It's good, Nikola Jokic, the triple. Timeout, Lakers, as the Nuggets reclaim a seven-point advantage. And then Jokic, once again, too strong going to the basket, makes this layup in the fourth quarter as the Nuggets would go on to defeat the Lakers 119-107. to Contavious Caldwell-Pope into Murray with Jokic, Porter, and Gordon. They're starting five. Jokic lifts it up too high for Gordon. Doesn't matter. It comes down to Jokic, who puts it up and in. 29-13-11 on opening night for Nikola Jokic. Yeah, Anthony Davis failed to score in the second half. LeBron, AD, and the Lakers came out hot, had a... Huge lead in the first quarter, but that quickly evaporated as the champions are here to play once again this season. And I think it's going to be tough to stop them in the Western Conference. You know who's going to try to stop them? The Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns. And those two teams met last night in the late game on the NBA's opening night. And here's the call on KMVP as Devin Booker hits a contested three-point shot assisted by Josef Nurkic in the first quarter. 
Hands it to Booker. Around the screen. He'll pull up for three. He got it. Devin Booker from downtown. How about a good first quarter turning to a great one. 13 points on the night for Book. And the Suns up 10. And a solid screen by Nurkic. Just held his ground. Made the defender go around him. Back and forth game came down to the fourth quarter uh, with Chris Paul trying to defeat his former team with the Phoenix Suns. But... They've got too much talent. No Bradley Beal last night, but it was Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Josh Okoji who makes this clutch three-point shot assisted by Devin Booker in the fourth as the Suns went on to defeat the Warriors 108-104. to Here's the call on KMVP. The pick from Nurkic, still on the dribble. Booker goes to his left and back to his right. Stops 18 feet away, fires to Okoge. Open three, left corner. Yes, sir! As the shot clock's expiring, Josh Okoge, a huge shot from the corner. And the Suns are up four with a minute to go, 103-99. Other news in the NBA. So the Milwaukee Bucks getting ready for this season. High expectations with Damian Lillard coming over in a trade this offseason. And the future of Giannis Adetiakumpo is now sealed. He signs a three-year contract extension to remain with the Milwaukee Bucks. Here's Giannis discussing with his reporters his loyalty to Milwaukee. I'm very loyal. Even though you might hurt me or, you know, do something to me, I always like try to forgive you and see the best in you. And when you were there for me in the beginning, I'm there for you for the rest of the, our lifetime, you know. And for the, the Milwaukee Bucks organization, they've been there with me uh, since the beginning. They changed my life. They respect me, who I am as a person, what I've done for the city of Milwaukee. And for that, I can't turn my back. Let's move over to Major League Baseball here with playoff baseball in October. It's been fun all month long. And the World Series is set. And that's because of Gabriel Moreno hitting a single to right field, scoring Corbin Carroll in the fifth inning. Here's the call on ESPN Radio. Kicks fired. Swing and a line drive. That's a base hit into right field. Carroll to third, around third, on his way to the plate. The throw is cut off. Carroll is in to score. And now they got Moreno in a rundown, and they tag him out. It goes Harper over to Stott. But the run comes in, and Arizona has taken the lead. So the Diamondbacks would win two straight games and advance to the World Series, defeating the Phils in Game 7, 4-2. Here's the final call on ESPN. Seawall, the 1-2. Swing and a high fly ball, right field. Playable for Carroll, near the line. Carroll under it, he's got it, and that does it. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to the World Series. The Cinderella run of the Arizona Diamondbacks continues they're the National League champions, and they knock off the Phillies in seven. Phillies were probably the favorites going into this season after getting to the World Series last year and bringing everyone back, plus a few new pieces. Uh, but Bryce Harper believes that they'll be ready to come back and fight strong again next season. Here's the Philly star talking to reporters after his team lost to the D-backs in Game 7. We'll be back. You know, we got a great owner. We have an unbelievable president and GM that are going to give us the best opportunity to win and, and be here every single year. Um, so just understanding that, uh, that we'll be back. So game one of the World Series is this Friday on Fox. First pitch at 8.03, live from Arlington, Texas, as the Rangers host the Diamondbacks over to the NHL on the Sports app. Your Washington Capitals lose to Montreal 4-1 and fall to 1-3-1 on the season but as you know, on the sports app, every single day we're tracking Alex Ovechkin's 
hunt for history. The great eight chasing the great one. He now has 823 goals after he got a goal last night in the loss. 19 minutes and 43 seconds time on the ice. 14 shots for Ovechkin, one goal. Now needs 71 to tie Wayne Gretzky, 72 to become the greatest goal scorer of all time. Over to Champions League Soccer here on the Sports App. You guys know I like to squeeze in soccer into the Sports App, especially when there's a big competition. Champions League action yesterday was awesome. A couple big results. Bayern Munich over Galatasaray, 3-1. Man U over Copenhagen, 1-0 thanks to goalkeeper Onana saving a penalty late in that one to secure the win. Arsenal defeats Sevilla 2-1. Madrid wins. Napoli wins. Inter Milan wins. And then today, you've got a couple really good games starting at 3 p.m. Celtic against Atletico Madrid. Newcastle against Dortmund. Bar Barcelona against Shakhtar Donetsk. And then I will be paying attention to PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, against AC Milan. Let's move over to the NFL. Week 8 begins tomorrow with a decent matchup on Thursday Night Football. Amazon Prime as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to Orchard Park, New York to face off against the 4-3 Buffalo Bills. Other news in the NFL. Broncos, Kareem Jackson. Remember, he was suspended for another late hit. He had the late hit on Logan Thomas week 2. They got Logan uh, concussed. Well, Kareem Jackson was suspended four games, had the band cut to two games after an appeal. The Patriots, interesting move. They decide to waive quarterback Malik Cunningham after signing him to the roster just 10 days prior. And then a terrible story with the Saints. Chris Olave arrested on suspicion of reckless driving. Police said Olave was driving 70 miles per hour in a 35 mile an hour zone. It was a mixed business residential area. The NFL absolutely has an issue um, with guys driving too fast and, and reckless driving. Uh, it, it's terrible in this country, and I hate that that happened to Saints Chris Olavi, and I hate the response that he gave the policeman when they were arresting him. He said, oh, I play for the Saints. Yeah, so what? So what you play for the Saints? you got to follow all the rules that we have to follow. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, the fan now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Radio Row here in Charlotte, North Carolina for the 2023 ACC tip-off. This trip presented by Cowan Gates Law Firm. Huge supporters of the Virginia Tech Hokies. Get in touch with them today, CowanGates.com. You're listening to AWOD on the fan. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Charlotte, North Carolina for the 2023 ACC tip-off. Yesterday we covered the women's hoops, and today we move over to the men's side on the ACC. And joining us right now in the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hot Seat, ACC beat writer at the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Mike Barber. What's going on, Mike? It's good to see you. I wonder if we're going to be able to fit any pickleball into this uh, packed couple of days here in Charlotte. <laughs> I know. I haven't been able to train, and I've got the tournament Friday. Yeah, we, I really should have been at least your training partner. Yeah. Right? My schedule wouldn't let me play with you, but uh, I should have at least been your training partner for this. I haven't decided. Do I really need to wear a costume? 
I will say it was the only victory that, that I had when I played Pickleboo. We, we, I think we went two and four in our matches, but we, uh, we took home a nice prize package for having the best costumes. We were skeleton tuxedos. I, I recommend it to get into the, into the whole feel for it. All right. I, I do love Halloween, and I've already decided I'm going as a pirate this weekend. That should be good. I hope we see pictures. My, my son uh, is Captain America, and he asked me to be the Winter Soldier. Um, I think it's because he just wants to fight me Yeah, a lot, right. Yeah. But, um, th- those are the costumes, and they, they look pretty good so far. He wants to control you because Captain America can control the Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see how that goes for him. <laughs> but you are the ACC beat writer, and we're here at ACC Media Day. Uh, let's start with UVA. Last year, the end of the season, lose to Furman. First round of the NCAA tournament, but I've heard a lot of high expectations as Tony Bennett has kind of retooled and regrouped. Yeah, and I really like this year's roster. I don't know if it's as talented maybe as some of the others, although certainly Beekman and Dunn are, are NBA guys, um, but I think it fits together better. I think it makes more sense. You look at pieces, and, and you know everybody likes to look at what you do well. I tend to look at weaknesses, and I look at some of the pieces, and, and I see in their weaknesses teammates that can compensate for that. You know, I'm thinking about Jake Grove, the transfer from Oklahoma is a really good stretch for. I have some questions about his defense, but Jordan Miner, the transfer from Merrimack, is a really good help defender. So those two seem to play well off each other. And um, I, I really like the pieces and how they fit. I think they will work well for what Tony Bennett wants to do. It's interesting. You know, I talked to the guys a couple weeks ago and they said, hey, we think he's going to let us run more which is just stunning to hear if you're a Virginia fan because it's not a team that runs, and, and nobody's saying they're going to be you know, the 90s UNLV. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that, that with the pieces and, and with being a little more guard-heavy and, and some really good ball handlers, that maybe Tony Bennett will kind of loosen up on the reins a little. Yeah, it's funny. It feels like every year someone asks him about the pack line, then he has this viral quote about it. And it's just so funny because – He's already won a national championship with that, so why are we keeping asking about it? Right? Yeah, it's sort of a stupid topic at this point. You know, for a while it was you can't win, and then he won, and it was you can't win consistently, and then he won more than anybody in the conference was winning, and then it was okay, but you can't win a championship. And uh, certainly UMBC added a ton of fuel on that fire, and then they won a championship. And I guess now the question is, can you win multiple championships? And, and based on his track record, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against him. Um, I, I think the thing that people overlook. Um, because they do focus on the pack and how how strong that is defensively. Tony Bennett's best teams are ruthlessly efficient offensively. I mean, that team that won the national title, yes, it's a low-possession game, but it was a low-possession game because the defense is grinding on the other end. Yeah. Um, Virginia was actually moving the ball, getting good shots, and scoring at a very efficient clip. It's just the way they play defense, there are going to be fewer possessions in the game. That's going to be fewer total points. Broadcasting live from Radio Row with Mike Barber here from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Let's move over to Virginia Tech. Mike Young likes his squad, and I think it's really important that he got Hunter Couture and Sean Padula back. Yeah, I mean, I love that backcourt of Couture and Padula and MJ Collins. Certainly we saw the news yesterday about Rodney Rice leaving. It's disappointing. I think Rodney had a chance to be a real good player, whether he was a starter or coming off the bench. But, you know, they've got a lot of depth in the backcourt still, and I think they're going to be really good there. Um, you know, and for Mike, it's going to be the formula that it always is, a good passing team, a team that takes good shots, passes up good shots for great shots and plays committed team defense and, and I think they have the pieces to do that um, I, I think what Mike has built in Blacksburg is, is sustainable right you know we've seen some coaches who come in place and, and they have some great success but it, it might be based on a player or two and I think Mike has, has a system there at Virginia Tech um, and, and you see guys sticking around right you see guys playing Hunter Couture playing those extra years Justin months a year ago um, because they like what he's doing and um, now I think they're in position to, to surprise some people I, I think they finish in the top half of the league 
Rodney Rice, you mentioned that, and you've been following this story closer than I have. Did he? What happened last year? Did he get hurt last year? Well, so he, he was hurt, yeah, and then he came back, and then he got hurt again. And it's certainly it's been very frustrating. And Rodney's you know been very desperate to get on the court, and, and it's been frustrating for him. Uh, also, Mike Jones, who was, was heavily involved in his recruitment, left and is now an assistant at Maryland. I think there was a lot of speculation that Rodney might leave then, um, but he didn't. And, and I think you get to this point, and you think, okay, your roster's pretty set. And um, so that's going to be a challenge for Mike Young, because I, I certainly I think Rodney Rice was going to be a big part of this rotation and a big part of this team. It wouldn't have surprised me if he worked his way into the starting lineup. Uh, I, I think he's an impactful scorer, and now he will apparently sit out a year and before he can play and uh, I think that's going to be tough on Rodney too right he, he dealt with the injuries sitting out that was hard on him and, and now he's making this choice but um, that's the era we live in and, and there, there seems to be no clock on when kids might make these decisions let's go around the ACC you know we were at this same spot last year talking to each other and I had high expectations for Miami loved that backcourt and, and Jordan Miller the former George Mason transfer they get all the way to the final four how has he been able to retool yeah, I think that team, and again, it's about retention, and, and we talk so much in, in basketball and in really all of college sports about transfers and guys leaving, but to me, it's, it's who you keep, and Norshad O'Meara being back, Nigel Pack being back, like, that's where you start if you're Jim Laranek. I think that team's really strong. I think in my ballot, I have them third in the conference uh, behind the two Carolina Blue Bloods, but um, yeah, I, I think, again, Jim Laranega has something going there that guys want to stay a part of. They're not in a big hurry to leave, and, and certainly and go down the road of Nigel's NIL deal, which is part of the reason he's not in a hurry to leave. But, um, you know, I think with those guys back, yeah, I think Miami is a contender for the ACC title. Uh, I think they can do what they did in March again. Um, I have very high expectations for them. Carolina and Duke. Let's start with Duke. I am high on Kyle Filipowski. Uh, I just think he's incredible. Uh, you walk past him and you're like, oh, my gosh, did he grow from last year? He's going to take over this league. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was great last year. And just, you know, the all-around play, and that's something, you know, we're seeing it now in the NBA with Wimbae. And it's the guys who are that size and can do everything, can, can put it on the floor, can pass. And, uh, it just changes things in the game. And I think to build around him, and then there's a ton of talent in that program. And, you know, um, you know credit to Mike Krzyzewski because his sort of plan of transition to John Shire, I think, has worked perfectly. Um, everybody knew it was coming. Everybody knew it was John. They were able to continue recruiting at that high level. Um, the, the talent on that team is loaded. They're my pick to win the conference. Um, and Filipowski, yeah, is a huge part of that. And, um, you know, some veteran guys were coming back to, which is maybe the shift, and I don't know if it's about John Shire so much as it is just about the changing landscape, but um, programs that were kind of heavy one and done are, are seeing two and done, and maybe even three and done, and, and they're keeping some of these players, and um, it just changes how you develop. It changes your chemistry. Uh, you, you mentioned Mason a second ago. George Mason Final Four run was really the proof in the pudding of, hey, if you can keep a bunch of veteran guys together, how much better they are than even – talented teams that, that don't know each other. And, yeah. um, I think we're seeing that. Yeah, uh, chemistry is so important in college basketball. Mike Barber with us here. Of course, you can check out the Teal and Barber podcast covering all things ACC, and also you're venturing out and covering JMU, ODU, homecoming game. Yeah, big one, big one for JMU, who's undefeated, cracked the top 25 poll, and you know this is kind of my old stomping grounds. I spent 10 seasons covering JMU when my career in Virginia started, so it's it's been fun to be back, but it's, it's fun to see what they've built, how successful they are, and you know they've got some intriguing players in, in this game. I, I did a feature uh, yesterday on Jason Henderson, the linebacker at Old Dominion. He talked about how his background as a, as a wrestler, his dad was a wrestler, grandfather was a wrestler, how that has really shaped him. He led the nation in tackles last yeah. year. 
he leads the nations in tackles again this year. And you know what I love about him is he's not a, a hit guy. He's not a shoulder tackle guy. He's not a trip you up. He's a wrap you up old school guy. And he said a lot of that uh, comes from wrestling. And then the other one is uh, Jordan McLeod, the quarterback at, at JMU. This is his third school. Uh, he started close to home. He's a Tampa kid. He went to South Florida. He went to Arizona. Now he's at JMU. And I had a chance to talk to his brother, uh, Ray Ray McLeod, wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, late last night. I called me in my hotel room, kind of woke me up, but that's all right. He, he had good stuff. And he told me this really great anecdote about uh, Jordan and his cousin, who was a, a linebacker at South Florida, and his brothers. And they all got together when they were little at the park, and his dad would basically make them run Oklahoma drills. Uh, and he said it would, you know, kind of beat on Jordan as, as kind of one of the younger ones. And he said that's where a lot of his, his toughness comes from. So um, looking forward to that game Saturday. I think it's an intriguing matchup. Yeah, McLeod's been fun to watch uh, I mean, because he can run. He also can throw it deep. Reggie Brown, right, has been catching the deep balls uh, for JMU. So, you know, this story has gone national with JMU. Problem is, is it, it ends as soon as they lose. But that's not going to happen this weekend, right? <laughs> it, it should be a good one, but you know, it, it's interesting. And you've seen a lot of the national media jump on the angle of the NCAA denying them the chance to play in the postseason. And you know, to an extent, the Sun Belt, too. And I understand if the NCAA says you can't play in the postseason – what the spot the Sun Belt is in, but um, certainly that that's unfair. But I really like the mindset of the players and, and the coaching staff, which is, okay, that's the way it is, so let's just win every game. And, you know, you don't have to bang the drum on this topic if you're JMU because everyone's going to do it for you as long as you keep winning. And, you know, like you just referenced, it all comes down to can you keep winning. And if they finish the year undefeated, man, the criticism at that point of the NCAA I think is going to be even stronger. That's Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Follow his work, richmond.com. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from the 2023 ACC tip-off. And joining me right now from the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hot Seat, UVA Women's head coach, Coach Mox, good to talk to you again. Good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Let's get right into it. I'm excited for this season. What are your expectations for the team? Well, I just want us to build off last year. You know, I thought last year we started out great. Obviously, non-conference, we were 12-0. and um, And then we hit a lot of adversity. Some you probably know about, some you don't. Hit, You know, had some injuries, things like that. So I just want to see us continue to to grow. Uh, I think the culture is in a great, sp- great spot. I think, you know, a lot of everybody's pretty much bought into that and, and we're thriving in that regard. And I just want to see that carry over onto the court. Yeah. I felt that same way when I talked to Sam Brunel about everyone buying into the culture now and building off of that. How do you think that she's improved in this off season? Sam, you know, I think everybody's improved to be honest, but Sam, Sam is really trying to, um, you know, be more versatile with her game. And I think that's what her biggest focus was on the, in the offseason. Now, she is a shooter. We understand that. But she has a lot more to her that I, I don't think she's really put out there yet and really displayed. So hopefully um, the, her confidence just continues to grow because she can put the ball on the floor. She can score in the low post. She can do a lot. And she's a great passer, which she showed last year. So just want to see her continue to get confident in her versatility. Hanging out with Coach Mox from UVA live from Radio Row here for the 2023 ACC tip-off, and this is one of the toughest conferences in college basketball, men's and the women's side. Virginia Tech, all the success last year, gets to the the final four. I mean, is this one of those things where when you're recruiting, you tell people, hey, this is the toughest conference in college basketball? I truly think it is, you know, and I could be biased because I'm in it, but I think it is. Sorry, I have a cold. I'm a little congested, just so you know, but um, I think, 
you know, if you're a competitor, you want to play against the best teams in the country. And so that's in recruiting. When we talk to recruits, they are really excited about playing in this conference and, and um, being able to compete against these teams. So, you know, how do you want to take this program to the next level this year? You know, what kind of things are you guys going to be working on to hit new heights? Yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody saw my style of play a little bit. You know, want to play up-tempo um, defensively, some of the things we try to do. But I think we'll be more consistent this year because we have depth. So if you want to be playing in March, you you got to be deep. You know, and if you, want to, if you want to be able to play at the pace that I want to play at, you got to be deep. So I think just being able to sub and not really drop off and have talented kids come in off the bench is just going to help us continue to further this program. So, you know, we'll, we'll – still be exciting to watch like we were last year but i just think that we'll be playing like that for longer stretches up to, you know 40 minutes a game rather than half a game here or there what's really cool is i feel like we've all seen around the country a rise in viewership for women's college basketball you know what are a few things that you think led to that yeah well i mean i think one we're just more visible now you know more media coverage uh you know, I mean, in the professional realms, I thought the NBA, they've done a great job just promoting women's sports, women's basketball, um, you know, WNBA, even college. You know, you see LeBron, he'll be tweeting about college women's players, things like that. So that helps us get more uh, viewership and, and just more notoriety. But then also when people watch, when they tune in and you see, you know, on the biggest stage in March Madness, you see women that are very exciting to watch and emotional and competing and things like that. It only helps our game grow. Yeah, I think most people would argue that the women's NCAA <laughs> tournament was more exciting than the men's tournament last year. It's just, it's just so cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the fact that people say that, especially even coming from a man saying that. I think that's really cool. And I think, you know, men's basketball is always going to be exciting to watch. It's just that now that people see, oh, well, women's basketball is exciting to watch too, we're just get, we're just garnering more attention and more fans. But we've always been exciting to watch. It's just that we didn't, we weren't as visible. You know, we didn't have as much coverage. But now that we do, I think, you know, people are seeing what we've seen all along. What changes have you made in the roster from last year to this year and taking advantage of the transfer portal? Yeah, we. Uh, I mean, well, we have six incoming kids. Our eight returners, one, have gotten better, you know, um, and they put in a lot of work, obviously, understand expectations, standards, the culture, defend the culture. The six incoming kids are obviously very talented, and they came here for the culture, you know, for myself and my coaching staff and our players and the environment that we've created here. So uh, not only are they talented players, um, from, you know, Kamora Johnson, who's a McDonald's All-American point guard, to Olivia McGee, who's, you know, very highly recruited, too. Those are two two first years that are coming in. Um, and then we have a first year from Sweden, Odessa Noyan, who's coming in, a post player. And then we had some notable transfers, Paris Clark from Arizona, who's a former McDonald's All-American, Jillian Brown from North uh, Northwestern, and then uh, Taylor Lauterbach from K-State. So, she, you know, we brought some height in with her. She's 6'7", and some really dynamic guards. Um, so I just love what, we, what we've what we added to the roster. And I just, like I said, I think we have 14 players that can contribute. You're listening to the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. I'm from uh, northern Virginia, but I went to school in Richmond at VCU, and you've had a few interesting stops throughout uh, your coaching career. What was your time in Richmond like? I loved Richmond. You know, I love the state of Virginia. But, but uh, you know, Richmond was cool. I, that was my first stop, actually, out of uh, college. I was a GA at VCU, and then I coached there for two more years. Um, but, no, I mean, it was great. I was closer to home. I grew up in northern Virginia. Where are you from? Fairfax Station. 
Oh, Fairfax Station. Okay, I, I grew up in Herndon. Okay. Um, so close by there. Uh, so it was great to be close to home. But then also, I thought you know VCU was a you know at that time, the men's basketball had that place kind of rocking, <laughs> and so it was a basketball city at that time. And I you know I haven't really been back in years, but it was it was it was a nice time there. How did that experience set you up for success the rest of the stops you made? Well, you know, that was my first job where I really started to get better, you know, study my craft, really just hone in on all aspects coaching. Um, like I was right out of college, so it just prepared me for the next job. And so I was able to, you know, get to the Big Ten after that and just kind of keep going. Um, but, you know, VCU is always going to be have a place in my heart because it was the first. Mm-hmm. That's awesome to hear. What's go- what's going to happen this season that's going to make you happy as a head coach and make you feel like it's been a successful season? Because, you know, I always talk about every year ends for a loss for every team except for one. Yeah. So you're going to end on a down note, but what would have happened throughout the course of the season to make you feel like it was a success? Yeah, I mean, I just want us to, you know, compete and be consistent, um, continue to get better every day. So I'm not looking at, you know, you know, certain teams on our on our schedule. It's just literally from the first game, I want us to get better. We're going to take it one game at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully we can repeat our non-conference run from last year. But if we don't, doesn't mean it wasn't a su- success. No, you know, we have a pretty tough conference non-conference schedule, and we play in a tough conference. So I'm not really putting a certain number of wins behind it. I just think, you know, I have a really good team. I love this team. I love them on and off the court, and I, I'm really optimistic about what we could do this year. Should be a ton of fun. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Yep, that's Coach Mox at UVA. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the Hokies. And we're here at ACC tip-off in Charlotte, North Carolina, live from Radio Row. And joining me right now is Terrence Oglesby, T.O. from Field of 68. What's up, buddy? Man, thank you so much for having me. It's a great day here in Charlotte. Excited to be here. Uh, ACC Media Day, it's kind of the unofficial kickoff kickoff, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I think the ACC is going to be much improved, and I think the excitement in this building certainly uh, says that. Uh, a lot of talented young men and uh, young women yesterday, but on the men's side, last year was a little bit of a down year. People talking bad about it. People I work with, mm-hmm. Jeff Goodman, who I was ready to kill, but I went to mm-hmm. bat for the ACC. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a much improved year. And, you know, basically teams 1 through 12, in my opinion, all are battling for an NCAA tournament seed. And uh, optimism is certainly high, and I couldn't be more excited. It's funny how the national media always seems to say, it's a down year for the ACC when Duke and UNC aren't at the top. But Miami went to the Final Four. I've been trying to tell people this for two years. <laughs> I, I think that's the huge part about it. I mean, you can talk about ACC being down. Who puts the most NBA players uh, in the league at this point? And w- without question, it's the NBA. And you look at the lineage and how long it's been going on, it's a no-brainer. Kids still want to play in the ACC no matter how bad people are trying to talk poorly about the ACC. I was lucky enough to play in this league Uh you understand the camaraderie, the history, that uh, how good the coaches are from top to bottom. Now, what I will say is over the past year, two years, there's been turnover. Mm-hmm. And with change comes turbulence sometimes. Yeah. And because of that, it's been looked at differently. I, I think it's starting to catch back up with Shire signing a six-year extension, with uh, Mike at Virginia Tech doing a terrific job there, winning an ACC championship. Uh, the bottom of this league – not referring to Virginia Tech, but the bottom of this league should be better. And as a result, I think that's what really skews the numbers sometimes. Because if the bottom's bad, sometimes the numbers look bad. 
I think this season is going to be a different story. So let's dive into Virginia Tech, and Mike Young has done a terrific job with the Hokies. And uh, he's got his guards back in Hunter Couture and Sean Padula. I mean, that's so important. Well, Sean Padula is one of the best scorers in the country that nobody talks about. And it's a crying shame simply because he lives in Blacksburg. Why isn't he getting more attention? That's the big question. Uh, he is a shot creator at its finest. And he's probably one of the top two or three shot creators in the ACC. And he just gets overlooked. And I don't understand it. Uh, Hunter Couture provides something completely different for the Hokies. Why? Because he's just a steadying presence. Where Sean Padula can be a pit bull and can kind of overdo it sometimes, mm -hmm. Couture settles him down. And it, look no further than his injury last year. He, he, he gets injured, misses five games. They lose all five, and then they lose the next two, I think. I think it was seven games in a row, correct? Yeah. Uh, his presence means so much to that team. Having him healthy, hopefully for the entire season, should change their outlook completely. I love how you call Padula a bulldog because I, I, I see the same thing. He drives to the basket, and it just seems like he can always keep his dribble alive. He's got all these you know fancy layups and reverses that he can do to get his shot off sure. around the basket in front of taller guys. And then Couture, he can shoot like Steph Curry range. So it's a great mix to, together. Well, you got one guy spacing the floor, and you got one guy that can really attack the rim and score in a variety of ways. Now – uh, who's going to be that other guard that comes in? I, th I thought Rodney Rice was going to be a piece, and obviously he uh, departed, what, yesterday? Yeah. Man, what a development that is. I still don't know what's happening with that. I'll let you handle the news-breaking <laughs> stuff. But uh, I, I, that, that certainly hurts because I think he was a really talented young man, but they still have pieces. Yeah. I, I mean, Makai Long. They want MJ from, Collins to yeah, step M into that role. MJ's an excellent defender. I talked to Mike, uh, Mike Young, and what he did tell me was like, hey, look, he was a freshman last year. He's going to improve offensively. But one thing I could count on him for was defending at a high level. And that's saying a lot for a freshman. And that's coming from somebody who never defended anybody whenever I played at Clemson. <laughs> so, uh, no, if you're able to provide that immediately, you can provide value, especially when you have scores on the floor uh, already. How would you describe Coach Mike Young's coaching style? Uh, methodical. I think he's a wizard uh, at finding shots for his guys. He, he provides just enough. Oh, uh, what's the word? Just enough freedom for a guy to be able to create, be himself, play comfortably, and yet understand at the same time, hey, I might have to generate a shot or two for Hunter Couture. Mm -hmm. And some days when he's feeling good, I'm going to be able to generate a lot of shots. And let's be honest, Mike Young a couple of years ago at the ACC championship game in Brooklyn ran circles around Coach K. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. And uh, I know Coach K was at the end of his long, beautiful, illustrious career. Mm -hmm. But that game in particular, he was able to find Hunter Couture, who did a boatload of damage, played arguably his best game of his college career. And why was that? Because Mike Young was able to set him up and facilitate. I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Mike. I think he's a terrific coach. And the fact that he's able to facilitate offense for his guys at such a high level consistently puts him at the top of the list as far as ACC coaches, as far as I'm concerned. T.O. here with AWOD live from Radio Row for the 2023 ACC tip-off. UVA, Tony Bennett, everyone always wants to talk about pack line defense. Every media day that gets brought up immediately. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it certainly does. And one of the main reasons is, is because of that pack line defense, you're going to give up threes. And what has developed more than any other part of the game of basketball over the last seven to eight years, it's been a three-point shooting, mm -hmm. right? You don't just have, you know, two guys on the floor. They're shooters. And we're going to guard the shooters. Everybody else does something else. No, now, typically in an ACC contest, one through four can shoot the basketball. So it makes it much more difficult to get out to spots when there's so much emphasis on protecting the lane. As a result, 
you're going to have open threes. And they're not going to be wide open threes, but they're going to be open enough to where ACC players will be able to knock them down. I'm curious to see if there's going to be adjustments made. I think they're longer around the perimeter this year. I think Ryan Dunn is terrific. I think Jordan Miner is an excellent help side defender who understands the game. They have several guys that can guard on the perimeter. Can they get out and contest those shots is the big question. But you mentioned it earlier, like the ACC produces so many NBA players. A lot yeah. of them have been from UVA recently, and that's what Tony Bennett does. You know, Ryan Dunn, probably an NBA future. Reese Beekman, probably an NBA future. So he's got these NBA future guards and post players that will play his style of defense, and then they can score themselves on offense. And they can find their, they can find their role, and they can do – winning things consistently look at Malcolm Brogdon you yeah. think he's like this high level NBA athlete nobody knows how to play and a lot of that stems from playing from Tony Bennett uh the guy you didn't mention who I, I am a massive fan of Isaac McNeely yeah. is a stud and yeah. he provides something different for Tony Bennett this year that he hasn't had since his national championship teams and what's that somebody you could draw up offenses for to come off and shoot threes off the catch off the move. You have to be really strong in your lower body. He hasn't had a guy that can do that consistently since Kyle Guy. Yeah. Isaac McNeely, I think, should be able to do that this season. A lot of people are like, well, can he put it on the floor? Don't worry about it. Let Tony take care of all that stuff. Uh, I think he could be that next level guy that at the end of the game, when games are close, and let's be honest, Virginia games are close because they're so low scoring. Yeah. You have to be able to draw something up for somebody to knock down a shot. Isaac McNeely could be that guy. Hate to remind UVA fans, but the season ended last year with a loss against Furman. But last time they lost in the first round, it was UMBC. Then they responded the next year. Yeah, they certainly did. And let's be clear, I covered a lot of Furman games last year. That, that They were that good. Yeah. And, if and they Fur should have been in the tournament the year before. And they certainly should have. And here's the crazy part about that. If Furman doesn't play San Diego State in that second round, Furman might be a Sweet 16 team. Mm -hmm. And because Jalen Slauson got drafted, he was a pro. Mike Bothwell's over in Israel. He's a pro. J.P. Pagese, who was a sophomore, who exploded and knocked down that big shot at the end of the game, uh, he's probably a first-team first all-SOCON level guy. They were really, really good. So I, I think because Furman had a roster that lined up that way with five guys that could shoot, space the floor, it kind of fed into that Virginia thing. So it, it, it made it difficult for them to get out and contest threes, which you saw the result towards the end of the game. You cover all of the NCAA with the field of 68. So are there any Cinderella teams that you already want to throw out there? Uh, you know what? There, there's a few teams I'm higher on than most. Okay. One is my alma mater. I think Clemson is going to be very, very good. Gerard comes over from Syracuse, right? He, he certainly does, and he's one of the reasons to be excited. But the other two, Chase Hunter is the most underrated guard in this league. Uh, I, I had him voted on my preseason all-conference team, and I think he's going to add some validity to that claim because he averaged 14-4-3 last year, and nobody talked about it. He's really, really good. P.J. Hall uh, is a top three player in the ACC. Uh, that's two guys that you know from day one are going to be really good. And if everybody's able to stay healthy, that team has depth, that team has length, and they have shot-making. I would watch out for the Tigers. Of course, you look at Duke, you look at Carolina. Elliot Cadeau is going to be a perfect potion to what Carolina was missing over the last couple of years, a freshman out of New Jersey by way of Sweden. Like, excellent play creator for others. That's something they've been missing. Uh, such an intriguing league this year. It's going to be really, really fun to watch. Well, T.O., thanks for stopping by, man. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And Virginia Tech and Virginia fans, I think it's going to be an exciting year, if nothing else. That is Terrence Oglesby from the Field of 68. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan.